0: Adyak. You're listening to Adyak. Adyak is the official podcast of the AAF Greater Lehigh Valley Ad Club. Our mission is to inspire creativity and enhance the professional development of the advertising and marketing communities where we live and work. I'm your host, Bill Childs, and I'll talk with artists, designers, writers, directors, photographers, along with those who work in a creative capacity. Our aim here is is to serve as a creative resource to help you stay informed, entertained, and above all, inspired. But first, I want to thank ASR Media. We appreciate your support and collaboration. I love meeting people who are super passionate about their craft and the work they do to earn a living. Today on the podcast, I talk to two individuals who exceed that criteria, Mr. Matt Ardinger and Patrick Newell. Matt owns and operates Ardinger Guitars based in Emmaus, and he was gracious enough to sit down with me on a Saturday morning and talk about the art of making guitars. Patrick works right alongside Matt in his shop, putting his stamp on a line of guitars. Matt brought Patrick in because he saw so much of himself in Patrick and wanted to provide an opportunity to pass the torch to the next generation. Matt freely admitted that Patrick inspires him. And the two often collaborate on project brainstorming sessions because Matt understands the effectiveness of what can happen when an idea can leap from brain to brain. Matt has built nearly 1,000 custom guitars, and he's not stopping. We act it up on the importance of trial and error in doing such highly custom work, how ideas can get better when you are open to collaboration, and how they try to build magic into every guitar they make. They are part Zen masters, part scientists, part visionaries, part electrical engineers and alchemists, blending complex components and materials into something that brings joy to millions in the form of music and songs. Matt and Patrick are the type of people who love to push the boundaries, to go where others may resist. That's the mark of craftsmanship. Matt stated in a popular mechanics article featuring him, when it comes to guitars, the proof is in the playing. As pretty as a guitar looks, it has to perform five times better. It's not a piece of furniture, it's a functional piece of art. It was clear from our conversation that these guys love their work. They have found a way to channel their talents and shape them into a career, as two of the most sought-after builders of custom guitars of their respective generations. Here is my AdYak, with Matt Ardinger and Patrick Newell. Welcome to AdYak, Matt Ardinger and Patrick Newell. How you guys doing?
1: Doing excellent. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me here on a Saturday morning. Going to talk some craft. Going to talk guitars. Going to talk art. Going to talk all kinds of cool stuff. Um, just for a, a quick little intro, Matt. I I got I met you through uh, Peter Gorniak. Um, Correct. His mutual friends with us. Mm-hmm. And he was always talking to me about you, and I—I I, I had a column that I used to write, a weekly column on creativity and business and all that kind of stuff for the Morning Call, and that's when I you kind of came onto my radar, and mm-hmm. over to your shop, I did a little interview with you. We you know we kind of talked, and I just got very fascinated very quickly by just your, your work is amazing, um, and just you as a person. Um, which is how you looked at the world, and we had a, we had just a great kind of conversation. The column came out real, real, real well. I was happy with it, and so I'm glad you decided that you would uh, join me here on Ad Yak and talk a little bit more about it. And we got Patrick joining, which I love this aspect of it. So we're, we're going to have fun. So let's jump in.
1: All right. Absolutely.
0: All right. So what uh, what got you into guitars? How did you how did you end up with you know uh, Ardinger Guitars. How? how to walk me through that a little bit. Uh,
1: it started at a pretty young age. Um, I was born in 1977, so right as I was gaining kind of a consciousness to the world is the time when MTV hit the airwaves, yeah. and it was revolutionary in so many ways. I mean, I was addicted to MTV as a kid, and just seeing all the crazy uh, videos and guitars and all that stuff, I was just fascinated by the visual aspect of you know the wild guitars that were coming out in the 80s and something you know beyond my control drew me to them so from that point on I was a one of the kids that would be drawing guitars on his notebooks in school and uh, trying to build guitars of popsicle sticks and cutting giant air guitars out of cardboard and it was always kind of part of my soul you know as a, as a child growing up so I feel really lucky that I could pursue it as a career eventually.
0: That is a classic case of your career choosing you.
1: Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I- however, you know, circumstantially, you know, a lot of things, you know, there's there has to be a lot of skill paired with a lot of luck in order to actually turn it into a, a viable career. Right, so, right.
0: I think I'm in the same boat there because from as long as I can remember, all I wanted to do was color. I just wanted to do color. Yeah. Loved art. You know, I wasn't thinking when I was in second grade, like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be a creative director one day. You know, I wouldn't even know right. what it was. I just knew right. I liked expressing myself through art. I loved it. And it was like, Absolutely. You know, right? And it's just, you know, as you kind of, as I started to go through my life, I just, it, it started to, it just never left. You know, I guess for some people, they have that, maybe they have that passion for something when they're young. And then they, as they get older, they kind of feel, oh, you know what, this is frivolous. This isn't really, uh, guitars, who's going to make it? There's enough people making guitars, right? And then, or you just think like, how am I going to find my place in this? But there's just something that just keeps calling you back, right? Keeps you kind of going. Right. I love that. I love that. Patrick, how about right. you? Uh,
2: well, I started building guitars in like 2016 or so, I was about 25 years old, um and at like, growing up, I was always enrolled in, like, art lessons and stuff from my parents. And it was really the only place I, like, did well in school was in, like, my arts and more hands-on classes. Um, but I didn't start building guitars until my mid-20s. And um, at the time, I just uh, I wanted to build a guitar because um, I wanted a Olympic white Stratocaster just like Jeff Becks. And I uh, couldn't afford one. And I uh, ended up uh, making one myself. And didn't look quite like Jeff Becks, but uh, it played great and it sounded great. And then it just kind of all took off. From there, really. And uh yeah, and then here we are, uh, like se- seven or eight years later. And now he's a heck of a player, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. And now you're working alongside Matt.
2: Yeah, uh, I work at a, his shop. He very graciously opened up a, his shop in, in Home to Me a couple years ago. Uh, we met through a mutual friend who plays in a, a local band here. And uh yeah, uh, I like to tell people that kind of like indirectly knew him through uh, his instruments from a previous job that I had had. Um, I played a lot of his instruments that he had made for an old boss I had and uh, loved every one of them and was always amazed by the uh, uh, the creativity, just how they played, just everything about him was perfect. All the lines and everything, uh, the very uh, eye-catching on top of being like beautiful instruments to play. So, uh, and then when I got a chance to meet him about two years ago and we kind of just like hit it off and yeah, and here we are.
0: He's an easy guy to like, right?
2: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he's super easy to get along with you. Yeah, there's not a, it's just very easy to, to kind of like Matt. Um, but he's, that, he's
1: got the run of the place.
0: <laughs> Matt, one of the things that I really liked talking to you about uh, when I worked on the column with you was this, um, this aspect where uh, we talked a lot about in middle school. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I don't think they do it anymore. I could be wrong, um, but industrial arts. Like there was yeah. industrial art. Segment that you can choose so wood shop, printing, um, machine. I mean, I was working on equipment that could pull both my arms off pretty quickly, right? Absolutely, like if and middle school, like you know, yeah, machine shop with flames and heat and torches, a yeah. woodworking. I mean, you know, with saws, I mean, amazing, like. Th- and I learned, I, I knew right then when I had that, I I, I love the hands-on aspect of that. I was never going to be, um, I don't think someone that was going to be on the accounting side or accounting or doing math or anything like that. But if you gave me something that I could put together and work with my hands, I'm all in. And so for me, I, I know you talked about uh, in the column about that a little bit. Talk, talk to me about that, uh, your experience of, of in middle school and having those classes.
1: Yeah, I mean, at- it- from seventh grade on, I think seventh grade through senior year of high school, there was always um, some option for for uh, one of the industrial arts or art programs, and I would pretty much spend every free uh, period where there wasn't a class, whether it was a study hall or anything, in one of those departments doing something. You know, I got to uh, become friends with most of the teachers, and they trusted me to to come into their shop and do things when I when I had free time. So. I took advantage of as much of it as I could. So they, I, I think, without that being a a an initial background, I I don't think I would have had as rapid of a start as I did uh, when I was 19 years old and actually started the business. So you know, having having that bit of uh, initial childhood education went a long way. And it's uh it's kind of a shame that most of those programs are kind of going by the wayside. I'm not sure if it's Due to liability, I'm not sure if it's due to, you know, budgetary cuts to to uh, promote other programs, but I just know that they're not what they once were. And it's, uh, it's kind of sad. I feel lucky that I grew up in the time that I did.
0: 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, And then a big one for you, a big dot connecting was the uh, the custom cabinetry work that you did, right? Correct. You can clearly see how that line Yeah,
1: you know, and that's still a passion of mine too. That I was lucky enough to have a uh, my first job being an assistant to a custom cabinet maker, and uh, that was another huge experience. Having, you know, the ability to uh, to work on all kinds of machinery that uh, that I would, you know, pretty much base my entire further career off of. Right. So uh, I, I feel very lucky.
0: Yeah, and now you're paying it forward. Uh, with Patrick kind of in the, you know, it's kind of coming full circle, right? You're, you're now what now I'm going to give someone that experience that I, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't consider Patrick an apprentice. He's not an apprentice. He shares my shop with me and Patrick produces his own instruments. So I'm always here to consult, but Patrick pretty much flies on his, on his own wings and uh, the guitars that he's producing. I, I mean, it amazes me daily. I just get to watch, his progress in the same way, you know, I remember being that age and being at that stage of my career. And it's pretty much of a never ending thrill to just watch, to watch him grow and grow and grow even over these past two years. So, you know, he's not a shop apprentice uh, in the, in a traditional sense. Um, He just shares my shop with me and, you know, he's a person around that I'm inspired by and we get to laugh and have a good time and, and just, uh, shoot the bull back and forth as we're working, which is something I'm not used to. I pretty <laughs> much for 26 years, 25 years, I worked alone. So it's uh, it's been a, a pretty extreme enjoyment having somebody else around.
0: Patrick, you know what that means, right? It means you have to do What's that. It? You got oh, to pay
1: absolutely. a the
2: way. Yeah, absolutely
1: Oh, I thought you meant oh, that uh, yeah. <laughs> Patrick had to make me disappear, so this would be oh, his yeah. job.
2: <laughs> and he could work alone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to then one day when you get the chance to say, you know what, I'm going to pass the, I'm going to send the elevator back down, you know, to bring the oh, yeah. elevator to take yeah. care of that. I, I think that's awesome. And I know that I have tried to do that uh, in my career. You know, if someone someone would call me a high school or a teacher back in when I was working at the morning call or an agency and say, you know, I have someone that's interested in this field. Could they just come shadow you? I would always say yes to that because I think that's critically important. You know, it's and it just feels good. You know, you want to if someone has an interest in something you're doing, you know, share that knowledge openly. I wish, you know, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think. And that- how gratifying is that? You know that if if somebody, fifteen years later, that you see has become a huge success, points to you allowing them to shadow you, and that sparked their interest, and that that advanced them to where they are. You know, that's that's humbling. So um, I I just I just hope to do the same for even more than Patrick. I I, I have a fantasy that uh, as a person with no children. Um, If eventually I could uh, open this place up to other kids that want to learn, you know, on an extracurricular basis, I would love to do that just because those programs aren't available anymore in schools. And, you know, I think it would be, you know, a really fun thing to to show kids, maybe not necessarily even about guitar making, but just about working with your hands. Yeah. So, you know, and that it's nothing to be afraid of. Not everybody has to go to college. And I don't want to say that in a negative Mm -hmm. way, but. You know, there's a lot of people that uh, work with their minds and their hands that do just well without, you know, having having that on their shoulders, too. So,
0: well, that's an interesting point, because a lot of what we've seen over the past couple years, decade even, is that pendulum is starting to swing back um, because people are realizing they go to college, they get these degrees and they're coming home and, you know, they're ending up in their parents' basement.
1: Right. With with uh, a pilot death. (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah and 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 a lot of kids that maybe went to college without an initial focus they didn't even know what they wanted to come out with mm-hmm. so what's the point of going there just to get that degree if you don't even know what you're going to utilize it for
0: that's it's kind of a so shame
1: right that's what
0: i love so much about technical education is that there's these are the careers that you know in manufacturing and you know you have um you know art and welding and you know just precision machine so many mm-hmm really diverse interesting fields that pay really well and you can like take these classes in high school and if you if it catches your your attention and kind of you know ignites your 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 imagination you're on your way you know there are absolutely there are coming out of the welding program at lcti that that are going to do quite well for themselves right out of high school Absolutely.
1: You know, yeah they're,
2: absolutely they're,
0: they're hireable, as many of the programs are at, at LCTI. I mean, I'm one of them. I came out in 1983. I took commercial art. There were no computers. I didn't get computers till 1996, right, when I was working at the morning call. So all that this is why I loved what I did, because my, my stuff had a, or my thing back in the day had a, had a, a hands-on aspect to it, T-squares. Markers, um, okay. waxers, you know, very hands on. It was like a craft of creating ads where now, you know, sure. you know the, the, the Adobe programs make it so easy to kind of build an ad or right. you know, a brochure or, or a billboard. And that's great. That's a tool. But I had to learn how to do it the old school way, the analog way, which meant mm-hmm. before I got onto the computer, I knew how to design. The computer just became a tool for me to do my job faster. Right.
1: Right. Right. I I guess I could associate it with uh, the days of analog tape compared to, uh, you know, using a computer to record music. You know, when you had to physically sit there with a uh, razor blade and slice pieces of tape together, that was a whole different animal, you know, computers eliminated that, but at the same time, the amount of skill that was involved in that alone is pretty incredible.
0: I a hundred percent. I try to bring that back in my class with a lot of sketching, a lot of drawing, a lot of thumbnails, you know, We'll get to yeah. the computer, but work out the design first. Work out what you're going to do on paper with a pencil. Figure it out. You know, do all do all your sketching, do your thumbnails. Then we'll go to the computer. Um, right. So I wanted to ask. There's a lot that goes into obviously building a custom guitar. I mean, can you walk me through the different some of the different aspects of like the things that you need. I mean, you have you know. I'm not even going to try to, to guess. I mean, you know, walk me through that of all the, the different things that you kind of need to have a, an understanding of in order to build a custom guitar.
1: Well, I consider a guitar to be a conglomeration of puzzle pieces. And those puzzle pieces need to fit together in the right way sonically in order to have a well-balanced guitar. Let's say if you use a hard material for one aspect of the guitar, you need to counterbalance it with a soft material. If you try to go one direction with, let's say, the length of the scale, you might need to counteract that with something else. So it's always a kind of a yin to a yang balance. You never want to go too far off in one direction um, with materials or or with a um, with a, uh, a view that the guitar becomes extreme in one direction or the other. You want to make it as as versatile as possible and uh, and as approachable as possible without. Um, Without diverging off one direction or the other, so basically by combining those puzzle pieces, and then combining that with the proper electronics is what gives the full guitar its uh, its voice.
0: What about the what about the finish?
1: Um, the finish as far as tonally, or the finish as far as the process?
0: The process, the the finish that goes on the guitar itself.
1: Yeah. I mean, that does, that does have an effect on the tonality of the instrument, too, believe it or not. But um, that is something I used to farm out my finish work um, for many, many, many years. And I think it's as of just about two years now, I started doing my own finishing. I, I actually put up uh, a spray facility and I start, started to do my own. And uh, it's been an interesting learning curve, but I feel lucky that I've been able to get it down pretty quickly. But uh, it's a whole new animal for me. It's, it's interesting at this point in my career, completely starting blind on something and, uh, and trying my best to get a hang of it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of variables in finishing an instrument. You know, there's, there's weather variables, there's moisture temperature variables. There's a lot of little things that you don't expect. So um, it's been fun trying to keep up with it, but uh, it's my new passion now, is trying to really wrangle finishing as as uh, as best as i can
2: possibly do it okay such a different set from woodworking too yeah very it's, much it's so comple- yeah it's com- completely different there's different tolerances there's different of finishes uh, everything behaves differently um it's completely different from woodworking yeah yeah
0: sure i mean like the sanding and then the different finishes and then right i mean it's oh, yeah. a whole other almost field in and of itself right
1: and it's, it's very time-consuming, too. I never really gave it the amount of credit that I should have over these years of just sending an instrument off and then getting it back how many weeks later, and it just looks like Christmas morning to me. I pick it out of a box, and I get ready to put hardware on it, and it's done. Now, there's there's so much skill and time that goes into a proper finish that, and it can be frustrating at times, but at the same time, you know, it's really gratifying when it turns out well.
0: Sure, sure. So Patrick, question for you: um, What uh, what do you see yourself doing in this career? Like, where do you where do you want to take it?
2: Uh, I want to take it as really as far as I possibly can. Uh, I want to. Uh, I definitely want to make a switch to this on like a complete full time basis uh, at some point here over the next year or two. Because um, right now I'm I'm still very much part time and doing other things to make ends meet and everything. But. Uh, uh, I view like Matt as like a, a really good template of, of like a person I'd or uh, a career tra- trajectory that I'd like to be at, um, especially when I'm his age and however many years, my age. fifteen years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I build as many guitars as possible for as, as many people as possible, and uh, yeah.
0: So Matt, do you do you see yourself in
2: Patrick?
1: Very much so. I think that's why we get along so well and why we clicked from the first moment we met. I, I see a ton in him. I And as I was saying before, it's it's what's so neat to watch is that his trajectory is pretty much mirroring what mine was. So it's fun to be able to look at that from, from my vantage point now, being obviously older and, and uh, in, a, in a little bit of a different spot. And I feel... I feel really yet again fortunate that I have the ability to give him the space to to open his wings up.
0: Yeah, it's important and really cool that you do that. Um, Much appreciated. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of creativity that that comes into this to, into play to building a guitar. So, what? For, this is a question for both you guys. What inspires you when you're you're making one?
1: Wow, de- it depends on the project. For me, I mean, I do. Over the years I've done a lot of what are considered to be theme type projects as well rather than just you know regular guitars so whatever the whatever the core of that theme is could dictate the entire guitar in those ways otherwise um, it's either what I'm seeing in my head from a, a perspective of things that I haven't done before if I'm experimenting on something new things that I haven't tried before or you know, just visually things that, uh, that I've never seen before, that it's like, man, if I could pull that off, that'd be pretty cool, because I haven't seen that before. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think I've seen anybody else do that. And it's, it's funny, you know, getting back to the two of us, I think our creativity is somewhat infectious towards each other, because I've seen some things that he does, and just by nature, I start doing the same thing, and he'll see some things that I do, and just by just by pure nature, he'll start doing the same thing. So it's interesting that we can kind of coalesce on that level subliminally.
2: I find myself like not even realizing that I'm copying uh, a lot of Matt's uh, designs and shapes, but I'm just like (laughs) drawing it. And then like, I'll, I'll look later. It's like, oh wait, like he's done that before. And then it's like, it's kind of like a rush It's like all right now I have to make it mine in some way, but also don't want to what do you call it? Shame,
1: shameless, shameless, uh yeah,
2: shameless, shameless uh, copy. Yeah, like pillaging <laughs> <like, laughs> or something. Shameless pillaging
1: yeah, of my ideas. my ideas. But it's yeah. the same way. It's yeah, the same exactly. way for both of us. We both do the same thing to each other.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. But because I mean that, that's how idea that's how the best ideas come out anyway. It's like somebody says something, that idea leaps into someone else's brain, they kind of run right. it of their filter. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they interpret know, it their way right did you think about this and it's like no i didn't but that's really cool let's do that like that's that's what i love about creativity and ideas you know it's actually um it's a collaboration collaborating you know is is yeah
1: and and it's it it's interesting also to have an idea and you haven't fully hashed it out in your own head yet and you don't have a solution for that idea and you just mention it to the other person and they complete that idea Without and it's like wow I wouldn't have thought of doing it that way but yeah that works mm-hmm. so then it just it's, it completes the same thought so I'll give you one of
0: the best examples I have from my career uh, I was working at the agency and it's tied to music uh, we had an account uh, it was called Plantique it was a high-end landscaper right yeah and they familiar. were going to be a sponsor of music fest
2: so mm-hmm.
0: I, I came into one day and I said to my uh, production director John Mulder I said hey, I said, I know we have to do this ad for Plantique for for Music Fest. Wouldn't it be cool if Robert Plant just one day played Music Fest? How cool would that be, right? Like from a a standpoint of like, (laughs) and he was like doing his solo thing and the whole Plant and Plantique. And we laughed. We laughed about it. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. And then we went, I said, okay, well, we still got to do this commercial. What are we going to do? So I went back to my rest of my day. He went back to his day. He comes in the next day and he says, hey, come here. I go, yeah, he goes, check this out. And he unfolds this piece of paper. And on this piece of paper are the names of bands. Now listen to this list and see if you can find the connection. Rolling Stones, Michelle Branch, Buddy Holly, uh, Soundgarden, um, uh, Robert Plant. And I'm like, oh (laughs) my God. I said, okay, get the team together. So we pull the whole team together and we're brainstorming. And obviously we have the concept Right. So we have these band names that have musicians, the wallflowers. That was another band. Right. 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 Holly, right. So we had the (laughs) idea, but what we didn't have was kind of the bow on the package, you know, the bow, we had the box and we had the present inside, but we needed a bow. And at the very end of this brainstorm session, when it wasn't, it wasn't working, like we, we couldn't figure out how to end it. Like what's, how does this commercial end? Right. One of the editors, Tony Zeno, just out of complete frustration, just says, "You know, it's kind of like this: music's in their nature, and good landscaping is in plantiques, right? And that's that was the that was the how we did it. So the commercial ran, and it was Robert Plant, Buddy Holly, Sound Garden, Rolling Stones, Michelle Branch. Right? Music's in their nature; great landscaping's in ours. Boom, done." All from me just saying, wouldn't it be cool to have Robert Plant play music fest, <laughs> Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that commercial, I'm telling you, when it ran with it, you could have edited that thing on iMovie, probably your phone. It was so simple. It was just Robert Plant, like the, the names on the screen, right? Black screen, yeah. white letters, and then the green was, was the, the name. So Buddy, right. Head, Sound Garden, Rolling Stones, right? And people watched it. People stopped because they almost thought, that, like, oh, is this like a promo for next year's, you know, musical lineup? Yeah. It was timeless. You could run that for now for the rest of the time that Music Fest exists. That's the kind of stuff that I
1: love. Absolutely. Around, right? Absolutely.
0: Where it's a collaboration. It's not just one person. Tony Zeno with mm-hmm. the ending. me getting it started. John Mulder with the list. We put it together. The music. It was – and every, every word – was on a second beat of a track. So it was like, it just, yeah. it just came together. And you probably get that a lot. What's that?
1: I'm sure Plantique was thrilled. Oh God. Yeah. Are you kidding?
0: Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you get that when everything you do to make that guitar comes together, you pull it out, you strap it on and you, you strum that first chord. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. Gonna be
1: magic. Absolutely. And what the other the other kind of magical thing is that sometimes instruments, you could plan things out to the nth degree and they'll still surprise you. You know, some mm. in, in ways that you would never imagine. It's like, and, and not, uh, not able to be necessarily easily replicated either. Mm. You know, for some mm, reason no. you might have struck lightning in a bottle on this particular one and you might chase that dragon the rest of your life because... For whatever reason, that one is the one you're going to remember the rest of your life and go, I wasn't even planning on this guitar being that one, but it turned out to be that one, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can plan for when you're working with organic materials.
0: I love that. I love that. That divine inspiration that happens that, that just that, that touch of like, uh, you know, the spark of, of genius, that kind of absolutely right and you're kind of yeah. like allowing that to happen you know you're not going oh this is the part where we had the genius can we get the genius part in here you're just you're no. doing your craft you're working you're just you 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 know you're doing your thing but that's the beauty of it is like you're you're creating that that environment to allow that to happen
1: right and just magically the stars were aligned you know it, like i said it wasn't most of the time it's not even intentional it just happens
0: one of the most amazing so, when that happens.
1: does happen it's it's pretty mind blowing yeah. yeah. I
0: had, I'll tell you this one. And I want to get your, your thoughts on this, both of you. Um, I, uh, I, I love, I, I feel like I could get, like, if I was going to make a pumpkin pie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could get most of the ingredients, right? Like I could look up a recipe and, and kind of, you know, get most of the ingredients, but I feel like I could probably get it to 90% of what an amazing pumpkin pie could taste like. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd get to 90%. You'd eat it. It'd be edible. Right. But to your point and what we were just talking about with this divine inspiration i had a piece of pumpkin pie one time at this restaurant down in uh, king of prussia that when i took the first bite of this pie i had to put the fork down i had to literally compose myself <laughs> <laughs> and just be like okay what what was that what is that Then <laughs> i took the next bite and i it would get my like there were like things firing in my brain that i wasn't expecting to experience and that got me thinking a lot of us can get to 90%, right? It's that extra 10% that sets you apart. Yeah. That's the craft. That's the like all the hours of like trying and failing or trying a new thing and it doesn't work and not giving up and then going back. And I wrote a column about that actually. And um, I, I I wondered about the person that made that pumpkin pie had to be on a whole, they're on a whole other level. Right. Like, and talk to me about, about how you kind of navigate that world of, of, of craft of making sure, cause like you said, you could do everything right, but you know, sometimes you just get that, that, that little thing finds its way in that, that magic finds its way in. And it's just like, whoa. Well,
1: there, there, I can make an analogy. I think that kind of sums it up without, without saying too much specifically. Um, when you compare most factory made instruments you might consider that uh, with the pumpkin pie analogy you might consider that they're getting nutmeg in dried in giant 50 pound bags where we're going out and picking our own fresh nutmeg right and that could make the entire difference in a pumpkin pie so a lot of a lot of those you know you could take that where you want to take it but (laughs) it's i think the the that extra maybe 10 to 15 percent of attention to detail and product selection and what we do really makes a huge difference in in the end result of a guitar. And I think it's very noticeable to a customer that picks one up. Yeah. That they just feel that it's different. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just like in cooking and baking where ingredients make like all the difference in the world uh, in guitars like the materials that you use make all the difference in the world too. Mm-hmm. So like the woods you choose, how dry those woods are. And then like, while talking about inspirations, like sometimes the wood tells you like which one of your instruments it, it wants to be. And then also mm-hmm. like the wood, it might have like an imperfection, but the rest of it's absolutely gorgeous. Then you have to figure out and you have to navigate that imperfection mm-hmm. either like really like sell that imperfection as part of the wood. Cause it's not, right, it's, it's, it's nature, it's not plastic. Like right. it, it's never perfect. So you can either, either cut out that imperfection and then add your own cool little design element to it or you can kind of highlight that imperfection too make it
1: a focal point yeah
2: but Mm. no matter what uh nature offers a a lot of inspiration uh, at least to me too yeah yeah i think some
1: of the most interesting guitars i've seen lately are guys that take pieces of wood that have natural holes in them you know Mm. from bark or from damage or anything like that and they'll use them as sound holes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's kind of like a live edge table kind of approach to a guitar. You know, they'll just use what Mother Nature gave that piece of wood already and use it to its advantage, which is pretty cool.
2: It's kind of like the you guitar know? equivalent of like a live edge table. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah pretty it's much awesome. Yeah.
1: You know,
0: I just realized this talking to you. Um maybe you've known this already, Matt, but like you literally have art in your name i do that is true that. that is true <laughs> it's already baked in the name, I, yeah it's baked into the bread it's right there
1: <laughs> <laughs> just i don't know if it's an advantage or a disadvantage am i gonna live up to my name
0: <laughs> you have to man it's your part it's it's right i You're know art injure. <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah I get amused easily <laughs> <laughs> um so here's a question for you um both of you uh who's your favorite guitar player
1: wow that um that's a that's a pretty difficult one I would <laughs> say my favorite guitar player is Steve Kimmock, uh who was a former former member in the circles of the Grateful Dead and uh He's actually a Bethlehem native as well. And uh, I've been taking care of his instruments for about 22, 23 years now. And uh, he is actually a person that's accelerated uh, me as a, as a person and me as somebody, the way I think about instruments. I mean, he is a very scientific type of soul when it comes to the playability and the sound of instruments. So he's taught me a lot. Wow. And he was actually, when I was in high school, I had no idea he was a local and I was a fan. So just being able to uh, now be up close to him and, and get to see him play all the time and, you know, even seeing him play in my house, how many times a, a month, wow. you know, is pretty cool. So I, I, he was been an, an inspiration for a very long time, even before I met him. So I think I would consider him to be my favorite guitar player.
0: Nice, I love that. Patrick, how about you?
2: Uh, yeah, that's tough because I've so many. Uh, I really enjoy like or love a lot of the guys that like push the blues genre forward. So like, uh, like if I had to choose one guitarist like listen to for the rest of my life, like Jeff Beck's kind of always number one for me. But um, a lot of the guys like Josh Smith and Matt Scofield and guys that are really uh, Kurt Fletcher too, like guys that are really pushing blues forward and doing a lot of fusiony stuff uh those guys always top my list
0: wow that's awesome now patrick i know you play matt do you play
1: as well begrudgingly (laughs) i mean um i i was always more fascinated i i can play i do play but i was always more fascinated with the technical end of of uh the guitar itself than the the actual playing aspect of it and as somebody I always use the analogy of the cobbler's kids have no shoes, oh, right. you know, at the end of the day or the, the chef that doesn't want to go home and cook dinner for his family after a long day in the kitchen. It's kind of the same thing. I I pretty much put guitars aside for the evening when I'm done working. So they're not, um, okay. you know, playing is not necessarily a hobby. I I pursue very often, but I do play, yes.
0: Okay, so it's around you, or
1: it's around you know. So different. yeah, I mean, it's it's around me daily. I mean, I I play during the day when I'm working on instruments. Mm. You know, if you're uh, doing repair work and setting things up and doing things, you're you're playing without even thinking about it. So you know, there I'm pretty much playing every day, but I'm not pursuing it as necessarily uh, something I I want to do when the workday's over.
0: Okay. Well, what's the, what's uh you know, again, this is another difficult question, I think, but what's, what's the yeah. average time it takes to build a custom guitar?
1: It can be anywhere between three to five months, okay. I'd say safely. Okay. I'd say safely. I mean, it could go faster. It could be slower. It just, it depends on, it depends. Well, now that I'm finishing myself, it depends on weather factors. It depends on you know, how easy or hard the finishing process goes for that particular instrument. Um, depends on how many other instruments are on your plate at that time, whether you're getting things done um, all at the same time with a batch of instruments or whether they're all in different stages. Right. So, I mean, if if you were really, you know, had your feet to the grindstone, you know, it could be done quicker, but that's the average where it's a comfortable build for, for me at least.
0: Okay how are you how do people find out about you how do is it is it just word of mouth do you do any kind of marketing or advertising and like how do you get the word out
1: well you know the i think as you know probably pretty well the world of of marketing and advertising has changed dramatically in the past 10 years um where once you know it was all about hard hard copy magazine advertising and things like that it's no longer that i think social media is really where people are getting the best bang for their buck anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel, I know Patrick probably is a better person to ask about this because I think with my career, things are kind of rolling at their own pace at this point. I think that I have enough instruments out there and enough, you know, at least uh, recognizability that, that there's always gonna be hopefully some work around but uh, for him, I, I'm curious as to how he's going to approach the whole advertising angle, hmm. because it's just a whole new ballgame, and he's pretty much starting from scratch. So I'd be curious to know.
2: I mean, yeah, I'd be happy to tell you. The way I, I approach it right now is, is I have a bunch of social platforms that after I, I finish an instrument, I snag a whole bunch of pictures, edit them accordingly, and then um, I hit um, kind of like the, the big two, like facebook and instagram but those haven't been like um crazy successful for me um where i found uh the most successes by um i narrowed down like the top 10 like relevant subreddits on reddit and i start kind of tactfully putting my work there and then i try and time it when like engagement's gonna be the highest as well like i'll figure out like all right like it's like a thursday night at 6 p.m like everybody's on reddit at this time so like the odds of, of my work hitting there and then getting enough upvotes to start building backlinks and everything and um, uh, start potentially uh, hitting the Reddit front pages like at this time. So I'll try and tactically time uh, my posts too. And sometimes it's really successful. Sometimes it's a bit of a miss too, but um, uh, really almost every guitar I've sold at this point has, has come from um, people like, oh, hey, like I saw you on the like r slash woodworking on Reddit or I saw you on r slash luthier on Reddit. And um, that's kind of been my tactics so far. I definitely get the highest uh, amount of like inquiries on my work through uh, what people see on Reddit.
0: Okay, well, I'll give you a big tip. People Mm -hmm. don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. It's not about what anymore. It's about why, Mm -hmm. it's your story. It's, it's, It's the Apple computer, you know, Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak in the garage. They wanted to build a computer that was for everybody and easy to use that's their story and that's what their marketing carried through. So, you know, we all have the, our whys. you know, why are we do, why do we do things? Why do we do what we do? Um, So think about that, you know, in terms of like how maybe you do some of your, your messaging is like, tell that story of why you do that. Because people, you know, people want that 10%, that, that extra 10% in that pumpkin pie, like the way you described with that, that that nutmeg that you grow or you go out or however nutmeg grows. And, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're, you're taking real attention to that one small tiny detail that most people pass over but it makes a difference
2: mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: it's and yeah. it really doesn't matter so much what platform you're on as long as you're you're, you're telling that story or you're constantly you know and with your, your you know with guitars i mean it's so visual right it's just such mm-hmm. it, it show the work you know it, it it comes through like looking i mean matt when i saw your guitars in your shop, I mean, they were jaw dropping, you know, I felt like I was in a museum and, and they're just like, you. so reverent, you know, just like, my God, look at these things. And then, and then there, when you think about when you make something that you then put out into the world and it goes out and then its job is to like bring people joy. Right. Like it, yeah. It's like, I mean, that's the whole other side it's getting all Zen, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's gonna, the the sound that's going to come out of that instrument is probably going to help somebody deal through a tough time get through a tough time sure or mm-hmm. the loss of a one, sure. or right I mean isn't that kind of that that is that's really cool
1: absolutely and and you know I think we can both say for certain that our passion is built into every instrument we make and it shows because we you know we're probably, I, I would say, 99% of uh, guitar makers will say they're their worst critics. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: we're hypercritical about every little detail of how we present our craft. So
2: at our own mental expense. <laughs> at our own, most of the time, <laughs> yes. Well,
0: but you know, we're an artist. So yeah. 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 Doing the club. yeah.
1: But you can <laughs> definitely cool. tell that our, our complete and utter passion is built into it, mm-hmm. which yeah. I think kind of puts. You know, handmade instruments, uh, a cut above, you know, what you'd buy on a shelf.
0: Yeah. So, have you had that experience? Obviously, were you a guitar you've built, you know, played on an album or was on an album or, you know, do, do you know that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Many, many,
1: many. And what's weird is that, I mean, I won't get into specific names, but uh, just being around for, you know, 26 years now, last year was my 25th anniversary. I have seen guitars on television, things like that. Guitars that I didn't even sell to certain people, oh, they bought them used. And and it's like, wow, <laughs> okay. You know, because I there's close to a thousand of them out there right now, you know? So I don't necessarily know if any of them change hands or when they change hands, but I've been pleasantly shocked at <laughs> certain points in time when I've seen my instruments out there that I didn't sell to that particular, Particular person but they have it so they obviously know what it's about so that's uh it's pretty surreal
0: do you have a a, a marking or something that appears somewhere to let
1: my logo my logo is on the headstock and, and pretty much okay. my I can as as a proud father of of guitar children and I can pretty much tell one of my guitars okay. from Ten miles away <laughs> you know you so know a, what's yours
0: so a thousand guitars yeah pretty close how many years does that represent
1: 25 years wow
2: hmm. and
1: 25 i would be five years and, and obviously i've slowed down quite a bit i yeah. in my younger years i was a machine you know a human machine i was making a lot of guitars and I don't know how I did it, you know, and we, we always think that we're going to be invincible when we're young. Mm-hmm. You have to get four hours of sleep per night and still get up at seven in the morning, go to a concert, you know, build 12 guitars, go to another concert, get up at, you know, seven in the morning. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm starting <laughs> to slow down a little bit, but <laughs> I think the good news about that is that I'm concentrating more on, on projects that really pique my interest. Rather than just you know making every guitar that's available to make, right? So I think that was my growth phase, and now my phase is to really, really fully, fully hone my craft to the absolute best I can.
0: So would it be fair to say when you start a project, um, a new project, you bring all those years of knowledge, right? All the years of working on it, or working, not working on it, but working, you know, building. Mm-hmm. It on it, um, fair to say that you you still have that fire, you still have that passion, you still have that, do. that kind of like, okay, this is gonna be the best one ever,
1: right? I do, and if if I think if any of us didn't, we wouldn't be doing it. We're out, whenever a new project starts, it's the most exciting time ever because we think, oh my gosh, this is the one that's gonna hit. Mm-hmm. This is the one where I have this vision in my head and it's been locked in my brain for maybe a year or more. And now I'm going to start it. So it's an exciting time when you get to start something new, especially if it's something you've been planning to do, but you just haven't had the time to do. And now is the right time. Those are the best. I mean, it's like Christmas morning, you know, whenever you wake up and get to your shop on those days.
0: Well, I'm just a big fan of things that are custom and made, you know, by hand, whether it be, you know, a suit or a meal or, you know, anything there's, especially if it's made by someone that has the craft and is, is in pursuit of, of being the best that they can be. You know, mm-hmm. um, you, you can taste it in a meal. You can feel it in the clothes, you know, clothing that when someone made sure. something custom and you can, I, you know, if I was a, a guitar player, I'm pretty sure that if I strapped on an Artinger, I, or, you know, I would, I would feel it. It would come through yeah. like, it, yeah. Know, yeah. And I, I, I love that. I love people that are in the pursuit of that type of that extra 10%. To me, that's, Mm -hmm. I resonate with those people, you know, because that's the, that's, that's where, you know, you know, you know what your skill level is, but you're, you're still coming at it with wonderment and joy and saying like, you're enjoying the process, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I don't want to put this in a, in a negative slant, but uh, my humble opinion is that Partially, the pursuit of the almighty dollar has made a lot of that uh, disappear. Sure, You know, that that either people don't have the financial ability to really spend that amount of time on their craft and really perfect it, or, you know, it's not financially viable, Mm -hmm. or they're more concerned about the bottom line than they are about really honing their craft to the fullest extent. So, like I said, I don't want to say that in a in a negative way to any other businesses, but you know, I just I feel lucky that I can still hone my craft to the to the best of my abilities and still be able to survive and make a living, and not because compromise. that's important to me,
0: and not compromise,
1: and not compromise, you know. Well,
0: my last uh, role uh, prior to going into teaching was at a company called Kitchen Magic, uh, where I was the creative director there, and the owner of kit or the one of the owners of Kitchen Magic, Brett Bacho. Is a guitar player. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know he was going to try to meet up with you, um, and it was right before COVID happened. And I and I said like, Hey, have you been talking to Matt? He you might have exchanged some emails, but um, he's a really good guitar player. And he says, I I just know that if I go over there, I'm going to end up buying something. <laughs> 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 But um, one of the, I wrote a column about him because what had happened to him was when he was learning to play guitar, he bought a, his parents bought him a Sears, right? He said the strings were like barbed wire, like they were so thick, right? And he, his hands weren't small or too small to kind of play all the chords. And the one chord that tripped him up, again, not being a guitar player, was the F chord. OK. OK. So he just couldn't get it. I don't know if that meant like the depression of the chord to the fret or like, you know, his hands weren't long. I don't I don't know. But he said he wanted to quit. He just he got frustrated. Right. And his parents said, no, you bugged us for this guitar. You're going to keep, you know, so he pushed through. He pushed through um, his guitar teacher. You know, they, they worked on it. He got it. He finally got the F chord and then mm-hmm. opened it up. That was like, oh, okay, now we're on our way. And he, I said, he's a phenomenal guitar player. I've seen him play live. Um, I hope you guys get to connect. His his name's Brett Bacho from, from Kitchen Magic. And um, yeah, it just re- reminds me how like he, he you know, he, he pushed through that challenge and then it opened up. And how many of us, how many of us get to that point where we're trying to learn the F chord, whatever that is in our world, and we yeah. give up. And we don't do it. It's, it's those ones that kind of keep going, keep pushing through. Um, and it, and it's, and let's be honest, it sucks. It sucks when you're in that period where you're just like, I can't get this. Why am I not getting this? You know? Yeah. It's, it's just, but you, you know,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I'm
0: just saying it's, it's just, it's, I, I don't know what to tell people in terms of it, it sucks, but you, you, you got to keep going and just, you will get it. You you will eventually get it.
1: And that's, that's what I was going to say. If if there's any bit of advice that I could give to younger people that are starting out in a creative career, um, man, you could point to a lot of things that this applies to guitar playing. I consider all these things a stair step process. You're never going to advance on a straight line. You're going to learn. You're going to flatline. You're going to learn. You're going to flatline. You're going to learn. And you got to get through those flat lines in order to get back to learning. So if you stop, if you get discouraged into one of those lulls and one of those flat lines, you're never gonna advance. And we all have our ups and downs, you know? Life is a sine wave, life is a stair step, you know? So we can't be discouraged fully by by our failures or, or our lack of learning at certain points of time. It happens in bits and pieces. And that magic hits when you least expect it sometimes.
0: 100%, I agree. Well, Matt and Patrick, this has been fun. I could keep going. Uh, it, we're wrapping up, but so I want to do some kind of quick, uh, quick little questions. Um, sure. Patrick, uh, would the eight-year-old version of your of you be happy with where you're at right now?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because at eight years old, I was still taking art lessons after school at the uh, Trexo Town Mall. So, yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Good. Yes. <laughs> Good. I think he'd be pleased. Yeah. Matt, what
1: about you? Is he eight year old? So I don't remember eight years old.
2: No. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely for me to think that I would even have this career, let alone have held onto it for as long as I have. Um, that's that's a dream come true. And and regardless, I have nothing to be ashamed of from this day forward. Even if things, you know, don't pan out from here. I had a pretty long run, I can always take solace in the fact that I, I made a mark in this in this, uh, you know, little niche. So I I really, uh, really can't be thankful enough.
0: Right, right. Um, what's a lesson you wish you would have learned or known uh, when you were growing up that you you know, now?
1: That's a good one, a lesson that I should have learned. Probably, I would say probably to save more money when I was younger. (laughs) (laughs) When I was younger and things were hitting on all cylinders, probably to save a little bit more money. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a a valuable thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Patrick, what about you?
2: Man, mine would probably be like, I still struggle with this now, but like mistakes are gifts and uh, yeah, the more you make the better off to be in the long run. Wow. So yeah. you know
0: that already. I took yeah. 50 years. <laughs> I took took me 50 years to learn that one. <laughs> I'm serious. I wish someone would have told me growing up, hey, if you want to succeed, get comfortable with failure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, sure. Right? I, because that runs so counter to what what we learn in school. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to or give the wrong answer, right? But that's how learning right. happens. You have to be willing to put yourself in a situation where you're not 100% confident or comfortable. You try it, you fail, you learn, right. you move on. And that's how you learn. And that's how you grow. So that was, a, that, I love that. that, that, that yeah. That's a big one.
1: yeah, and not many, not many instructors tell you, I don't care who you are or what you do, you're eventually going to fail. Mm-hmm. So just be prepared for it. You know, not everything is uh, an upward trajectory. So it's all about how you handle it.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, they, they, they actually, failure and success actually need each other. It, sure. It mm-hmm. they, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not, they shouldn't be put into, they don't, we don't get taught that, you know, we, we just, right. sad. we just don't get taught that in school.
1: So. Unless, unless you're using the lessons that you've learned in, in making mistakes, there is no success. Mm-hmm. If somebody that just has constant success, I don't consider that success. I consider that potentially delusion. And <laughs> you how I think you have to learn from your failures. I wonder how many so. of those
0: pumpkin pies got tossed in the garbage that just didn't work out right.
1: right? <laughs> of course, of, of course. Yeah. Because yeah. maybe somebody was using that uh, dried out nutmeg at first until they got their <laughs> own.
0: Right, right. You can bring craft into anything if you if you care and you 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 know oh, yeah you to do something other than be just like everybody else, right? Yeah. Find that craft that you can bring in. And I, and I think it can be, you can do it in any really occupation, really. If, as long as you, that passion is there, that fire is there, and that willingness to kind of do something extraordinary. Set sure. up an environment, right? To let that magic creep in, which is like, you know, catching lightning in a bottle. I've been a part of it in, in advertising campaigns right. as well. Um, and it's just, it's it's one of the most unbelievable feelings to when, when, that, when that happens.
1: You know? Absolutely.
0: And that's when I know okay, I'm in the right place. I did I made the yeah. right place. this because it just resonates so deeply within my soul. Absolutely. Yeah. So if um we people wanted to check out your your work, what's what's your website?
1: My website is www.artingerguitar.com, a r t i n g e r
2: guitar.com.
0: Patrick, what about you? You still uh, kind of
2: yeah, my website is www.newellguitars.com. That's N-E-W-I-L-L, and that's guitars, uh, plural.
0: See, already has a website. Yeah, He does. Can I, can I tell you a quick story? You know what I built my website? Sure. I built my website um, while I was laid off and going through a divorce. Not the time to do that, but I had to. Right. It was out of necessity because I realized as a creative director, I'm too, I'm busy helping everybody else do their work, you know, get their right shoemakers children. And I had to sit down and I realized I can't be sending these huge files to these agencies to try to get a job. They're going to be like, what, what are you doing? What, where's your website? Oh, so good for you, Patrick, for having a website now and not waiting, you know, keep, you know, gathering those images and and all that kind of stuff for, to tell those stories in the future for your stuff. So that's, that's awesome. Gentlemen, this was awesome. Thank you so much. You, you you've given me uh, so much great stuff. I mean, I I knew this was going to be fun to talk to you, Matt. And I'm really glad I got to to meet Patrick. Um, please continue on with with what you're doing, Matt. I love 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 that you're 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 sending the elevator back down. I shouldn't be surprised. You're that kind of guy. Um, and it's just you know you're you're very gracious with your time. You were with me. You know, just awesome. And and I continue success, um, and I just I'm I'm definitely going to be following Patrick. And, and oh, thank and, you so
1: much. For thank, you, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: You guys take care. All right.
1: You too. Thank you.
0: Keep keep after that craft, man. Keep after that magical that magic. Keep putting that magic into that into those instruments. Because there's people out there that need those songs played, so that they can help fix what whatever they're going through.
1: All right. You bet. You bet. Right. Take care. thank Thank
0: you so much all right ad Yakkers, hope you enjoyed it because we have many more great conversations planned and guests lined up ready to yak it up ad yak is sponsored and produced by asr media theme song was written and performed by dan ross ad yak is the official podcast of the aaf greater lehigh valley ad club stay hungry stay humble till next time this episode of ad yak is rated o for oh man that was good